go ahead and open in a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful this evening for the realities that you've set before us in the word of God. We're thankful that these are true promises and that there's nothing in them that uh, can fail us. We're thankful that ultimately it leads us to a life everlasting. And we pray that you would help us this evening to know the words of life and to apply them in ways that you've always meant to have applied. And we ask that you'd give us wisdom and good success at this time this evening. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are going to be using some technology as we consider uh, the Christian in modern culture. This is part five of the series that the pastors have been doing. And Pastor Mike touched on the application of technology the last time he preached. And we're going to dig down a little deeper and we're going to consider or ask the question, what about uh, the proper use of devices in relation to our home? And we're going to start that set of application this evening, and we're going to finish it next week. So it'll be a mini two-part within the, the seven-part or, or eight-part um, series. All right. Question for you. All right. Is parenting more difficult? I know you might not be able to read all of that, but let me tell you what a recent study from the Barna Group, some of you are familiar with the Barna Group, and these graphs, by the way, are from one of the books that Pastor Mike held up and recommended to you as a resource as pastors. We've been going through the TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. And in uh, this book, he uses a lot of Barna research. And they asked the question, is parenting more difficult today? And 65% said yes, and the reason why, technology slash social media. Then second, second in that list, 52% if you can't read that, the world is more dangerous. So I want you to think about what's been happening in our cultural, political, social, economic world lately. You know, we could mention just one country in particular, right? Korea. And just think about that for a second. Parents are more concerned <laughs> about screens than they are with a guy who potentially may or may not have his finger on a nuclear button. Right, that's, that's the immense challenge that parents see that invades their household every day. Then three, 40% of the parents would say that the, reason, the top reason why the world is more difficult is it has a lack of common morality. And that's really always been the case. It's actually kind of opposite of reality. We learned from Pastor Mike as he was going through the philosophy of the world and culture that the world actually has a common morality, right? It's, it's ungodliness. Uh, but anyway, uh, number four, 26% said financial factors. Then you have things like bullying at school, high ac academic pressure, uh, my... my my work is more demanding, and so on. But 65% of families said that technology was the very reason why parenting is more difficult today. And some of you who have parented without technology, you probably smile and smirk at that. But that is, at some level, uh, what, what people are facing as they parent. And as a, as a father of a two-year-old, I can already tell you that we've had to really very quickly figure out how does technology play in the upbringing of our child. And uh, I, I probably have, we have, Stella has two iPhones actually. Now, she doesn't use them like iPhones. One of them is solely, it's like an iPhone 4, and it, you know, you touch it and it takes like 30 seconds for it to respond, but it's basically our white noise machine. It either plays crickets, which we've learned actually now scares Stella, <laughs> so we've, we've been traumatizing our child. Every time she hears a cricket now, she says, Daddy's scared. And <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm probably not the best person for parenting advice. Um, <laughs> But it's a, it's a white noise machine, and the other one is basically my extra Fire TV remote. 
Um, and so we, are, we have an, a plethora of devices in our household, and some of them aren't even being used for their original purposes. They're just easier to leave laying around, I suppose, than to, than to try to sell them for $5. Raising kids is more compli complicated due to technology. This study kind of went a little further down into the realities of parenting, and those who said technology was immensely the reason why it was difficult. Um, 44 said that it was uh, more complicated because, and they strongly agree with that. 34% said they somewhat agree with that. So over 70% um, say that technology is, the, is, is, a, is a huge factor in raising kids and the difficulty, the more complex reality of parenting. And then we have to go to the Bible, right? And we go to Second Peter chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, and Peter says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, right? Everything per pertaining to life. And that word life there is in relation to eternal life. So everything that we need to know about where we're going to spend forever is somewhere, and Peter says it's in the knowledge of him, it's in the word of God, it's in knowing Jesus Christ. So everything pertaining to eternal life and everything pertaining to godliness. That's not just eternal life, but that's life what? That's life now, right? So everything pertaining to life now and how we can grow spiritually is found in the word of God. And I know that we as a collective group of people, we believe that, we, we hold to that, we look to the Bible for all of the answers that life gives us the questions to, and we understand that they come from knowing the Bible. And so we can say it this way, in every culture, so we understand as Pastor Mike has kind of taken us the, through the philosophy of culture, Right, and how culture shifts, and how and how our our dance with culture changes. Right, right. As 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 the culture embraces something, we may or may not embrace that. And as they let go of something, we may or may not embrace that. So our our our, our at times it seems like we are dancing with culture in every culture, and and at all times the Bible is sufficient for salvation. That's life and sanctification. That's godliness. That's the process the progressive pro process that we are all in, in this life, to grow spiritually. And so, difficult things are good for us. Why? Because they make us go to the Word of God, don't they? And so we can, we can as parents, we can hold up our phones, and, and we can realize that our children have phones and we can, we can fear and we can tremble and, and even in our own lives fear and tremble at our dance with modern devices or, or we can run to the God who has the answers regardless of the size or the speed or the ability of this device. And so we need to abandon the status quo, and I think it's a good thing that we are being challenged in this day and age with technology and seek God's word. So we're going to look at the proper place for devices in the home. And like I said, we're going to have opportunity this week and the next to really understand what it is in the home uh, that God says is healthy, that God says is not just healthy but ideal, where we're not just going to survive with these things spiritually, but we're going to thrive with them. And it's true if we take the word of God and we apply it as best we can. And so we're going to look at God's proper place for devices in our home. And we're going to first see that as God tells us to prioritize our mind, our thinking, the focus of our thoughts. We're going to also see the prioritizing of our bodies and then the prioritizing of our family. But today we're going to concentrate mostly on prioritizing our minds. Prioritizing our mind. All right, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Pastor Kent, if you can recall, it was a while back now because of so many things this summer, but he started this series by talking about uh, the, real, the reality of knowing God and his holiness. I don't know if you can recall that. And one of, the, one of the things that we need to do in order to interact with our modern culture is to first have that basic understanding of who God is and what God requires of us. 
And so he took us this passage, and, and, um, and it was tremendously helpful to kick off this series. But I'd like to go back to it now. So 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 13. Therefore, Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13, verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And literally in the Greek, this is a picture of, of, a, of girding up your loins, as Paul would say it. It's a picture of a belt. It's a picture of, you know, back in, the, back in the day, as Peter's writing, they had very loose kind of robe-like wardrobes, and really to do anything was uh, tremendously difficult if things weren't secured right and things weren't tied right. And if you didn't have a belt, I don't know if you've ever put on, if you've, I was a freshman at school and um, I skipped breakfast because it required me to get up earlier and because it was on the other side of campus and it was a walking campus and it wasn't really that good. Anyway, I had lunch because that's really all I had for, for eating. And then uh, for dinner, we had soccer practice, and so we missed, and our, our dining counter was only open certain hours back then, and we missed our meal for dinner. And uh, my freshman year, the joke is uh, guys lose 15 or 20 pounds, and the girls gain about the equivalent of that. That's a terrible joke, and I should never have said it, all right? Um, it's not true. But anyway, regardless of that, I really found the value in my belts, right? I, I, I went to school with all these sized pants, and uh, if I forgot my belt, it was impossible really to go throughout the day carrying my books and carrying my, you know, pants, <laughs> you know. And so this is what Peter is saying here. Therefore, you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to prepare specifically your mind. And it's interesting, he understands that our actions first start in our mind. So he says, prepare your minds. Well, how do we do that? How do we prepare our minds? How do we reinforce and strengthen our minds so we don't have to literally sit around all day and babysit them? Have you ever had to babysit your mind? Right? It could be a... It could be a uh, a fragile thing, can't it? I mean, you could have a great guy like me up here, right? And, and you could be a thousand miles away in your, your trip to Hawaii. Now you guys are all thinking about Hawaii, right? I've never been there. I'm sure it's nice, right? You could be in the same room and yet not be in the same room. And you, you've got to, you've got to, and, and, and Peter's saying, wouldn't it be nice spiritually so that you don't have to babysit your mind so much? so that you can kind of move on to other things. And so he says, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober. Now in the NASB, the New American Standard, it has the italics supplied in spirit. You'll find other translations maybe say, keep sober-minded. The concept is really the same. The NASB gives us a small spirit, so they're talking about our human spirit. And really it's the essence it's the essence of who we are. Uh, Paul often puts it this way. In fact, the Old Testament often puts it this way. Uh, guard your heart. Now, it really doesn't literally mean uh, 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 to guard this, this physical organ that's an asset to your, to your circulatory system. It, it means, literally, in our way of thinking, guard our mind. Guard who we are. Guard what we think about because it's, we need to guard what we do. And so here, that's the same reality. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit or keep sober in mind. Keep sober in who you are, in your thinking, in your thoughts. So we need to prioritize. We need to focus our thinking. In what way do I prioritize my thoughts. What is this, this word sober? We understand what it means when it comes to, you know, be not drunk with wine. That's obvious, but that's really not the, that's not really what Peter's talking about here. He's not talking about being inebriated. He's not talking about intoxication. He's talking about prioritizing, disciplining your thoughts, preparing your mind. And how do we, how do we have sober thoughts? How do we have thoughts that are the priority in which God would want us to think. And God would want us 
to focus on? Well, I think it's immensely helpful to look at the rest of the passage. He says, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope, that's interesting, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about eschatological things. He's talking about things to come. If you want to discipline your mind, if you want to think the way, if you want to, your mind to operate the way God has intended it to operate, he wants you to be like the Apostle Paul and here like the Apostle Peter. Though during current immense suffering, where did their minds go? Their minds did not go on their physical ailments. Their minds did not go on the current here and now. Their minds went to the things to come. So we have two examples of men who suffered much and who happened to use this concept sober-mindedness or sober in the spirit as the NASB translates it. Flip over to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. And in verse 7, he says this. Chapter 4, verse 7, he says, ready? The end of all things is near. Well, that's future, right? That is, that Peter's starting to, to kind of pull back the curtain and say, look at, look at the day of the Lord coming. Look at all the things, look at the, all the things that when Christ comes back and all that he starts to implement, the day is coming. The end of all things is near. That's eschatological. Therefore, be of sound judgment. And here it is again, the exact same word, sober in spirit. And so how do, I, how do I prioritize my thinking the way God would want me to prioritize? How do I focus my thoughts? I need to be a person that disciplines myself to think about the things to come, to think about the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, to, as Pastor Kent signs his emails, listening for the trumpet. How can you get a, mad at a guy who signs his emails like that, right? He does that on purpose. He'll tell me to do something, <laughs> listening for the trumpet, PK. Okay. <laughs> Look at Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4, right? If you turn there with me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last letter I believe that Paul ever writes. And Paul, as our study in the youth group has shown us, Paul is, is, is in prison, and not only is he in prison, but he's on death's row and he knows it. And here we're in the, the end of the book, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I just, we need to start in verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, those are eschatological realities, and by his appearing in his kingdom, again, more eschatological realities, he says to Timothy, who is, who is shy, who is timid, who is struggling with his own fears and his own ability to discipline his mind and to prioritize his thoughts, he says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teaching teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul's really addressing some of Timothy's, I think, greatest fears and, and the reality of his, his confidence in the word of God. And, and what's next? Can you imagine your, your disciple or your, your, your Paul, literally, for Timothy, your Paul, your spiritual mentor, your spiritual father on earth is imprisoned for the very faith that he has imparted to you. And if you're already struggling with being timid and if you're already struggling with, with doubts, how much more so now? is Timothy, who's young and who's scared. Verse 5, but you, what? Be sober in all things. Be sober-minded. Be sober in your priorities. Discipline your thoughts. Focus your thoughts and your thinking on the things that God has given us to focus on. 
Then he says, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. That's the present reality of, of Paul's death to come. He's basically saying that, he's stating that. And, and, and isn't this beautiful? He says, and the time of my departure has come. <laughs> you ever thought about that? The guy is on death row. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't call it what it is in terms of human terms. He says, this is great, this is my departure. This is my departure to things to come. This is, this is the, 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 the amazing example of having a sober mind, of focusing your thoughts. How many of us would, would literally sit down and pen words to our apprentice in the faith, faith in, in, the, in the certain realities of death? How many of us would then pen the words you know, be sober. You know, my departure is, is to come. He says, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith in the future. Here it is again. So many opportunities for us to see what sober-minded thinking is. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, more eschatological realities, which the Lord, the righteous judge, again, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just the reality of what sober-minded thinking is? Peter addresses it. Paul addresses it. And so how does this have anything to do with the proper place of, of devices in our home? Well, my point that I'm trying to get across is it doesn't start with the external, and we know that. We've got to remember that prioritizing devices in the home or the proper place for devices in the home starts with proper thinking, Amen. starts with our mind. And so Paul says, or Peter says, not only uh, be sober-minded, but fix your hope. Again, more eschatological realities. Train your affections. Doesn't Paul just fix his hope? It's almost like Paul's, Paul's schizophrenic. It's almost like he's bipolar, isn't he? You know, I mean, he, he kind of talks about the realities of what's going on in his life, that he's about to die, that he's, he's, he's going to be executed, and, and he's transported already to somewhere else. That's the, that's the discipline of, of sober thinking. And then go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and as we, we see in, in verse 14, it says, As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So, so what are we to do? We're to, we're, to, we're to have a mind that's disciplined to be thinking about the things of God and specifically about the things to come, about the, the revelation, the real revelation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we're to be mimickers. We're to be children, Peter says here. And he says in the negative first, do not be conformed, do not mimic, do not look like the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. Do not look like, as Pastor Mike has been unfolding it, do not look like the world and its culture, but like the Holy One, verse 15, who called you. So mimic God. Mimic Jesus Christ. Be Christ-like. So as we understand in verse 13, Paul, Peter says, prepare your minds, and it doesn't just end there. There's not just, a, there's not just this cerebral preparation that happens in the spiritual realities of, of life, but it looks like something. He says, prepare your minds for action. And that action looks like being an obedient child. That action looks like understanding who God is, as Pastor Kent preached the first sermon, knowing his holiness, and understanding that he has called us that same holiness in Jesus Christ. And so we are to prepare our minds, and our minds, therefore, have us begin to act like something through the grace of God, understanding our salvation, like obedient children. And so we could, almost, we could almost put it this way, as we grow in our priority to knowing God, we grow in our godliness, right? As we, as we truly comprehend the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, we are going to truly look like something. Obedient children, godly, 
opposite of the world, if we are going to prioritize knowing the world, right, then we are going to look like the world. That's simple to understand, and that's really what Peter's basically addressing here. And as we, as, as we consider these things, right, we, have, we, we can't divorce the content and the time that we spend on these things outside of this grid. Does that make sense? In other words, the more that I search and, and consume the world, the more I'm going to look like the world. But the converse is also true. The more that I search and consume the word, the more I'm going to look like the God of the word. And so the results of obedient children of God is a person that prioritizes their thinking to know God. What then flows out of a true pursuit of the knowledge of God is true obedience. True obedience. And so for the last little bit, I'd like to really get into the application side of things. If you'll permit me, understanding that the first proper place for, for devices in our home is, is really, it starts in our mind. And so parents, if you have a problem with the devices in your home, it doesn't start with your children. It doesn't start with throwing these away or locking them up or losing your temper and breaking them or whatever it is that happens. It starts in your mind first as parents. I can tell you that that, even with a two-year-old, has so rung true in my own thinking and in my own mind. Because there are times that I have been guilty of, of being consumed here instead of daddy, daddy. And where does she learn what proper thinking is? She learns it first from her mommy and her daddy as they show her hopefully the word of God. But if my actions, remember, mind and actions are inseparable in First Peter, and in the reality is knowing God and being holy. If it doesn't start with my mind, then how can, I, how can I have any hope for proper place of devices in my home? So it's got to start with the leadership in the home. So let's just remove the ubiquitous you and let's just say it starts first and primarily with the husbands in the home. Period. And so if you don't have a proper prioritized, sober-minded thinking? It will filter down. It will filter down. And so let's look at some of these, uh, some of these applications. And, and these are generalizations, all right? And so not everything's true. And as we go through this table and as we look at some charts by, the, by our culture, I want you to understand that in no way am I trying to set a standard by which you need to think. I'm going to let the Word of God do that, okay? Uh, so, I, so I don't want to take this and, and become legalistic with it, all right? I may tell you how I've approached things or how I know others have approached things, um, but I want us to, to be pretty clear about that. Good, that shows up pretty well. All right, so our first mobile Oh, not mobile. Our first device in the home, outside the home, we're primarily focused in the home, is TV. And so I, I, I took our grid and I said, okay, okay, what, what is it about First Peter? I think we have to prioritize our mind. We have to be sober thinking. And then First Peter tells us about those priorities become motions. They become actions. And so TV, overwhelming majority of the content is probably the world, Right? I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm overstretching that. If, if you think I'm wrong, you can tell me later, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that as you flip through TV, as you th flip through programming, uh, by and large, it's going to be worldly culture that we're going to get. Now, that th now, what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't have a TV in your home, okay? So we're, we're, not, we're not setting these legalistic standards, okay? I will let you know, and I'll be transparent with you as we go through through these things, we have two TVs in our home. 
We have one that we cannot carry around, and we have one that we can actually move from room to room if we want to. We like to go outside and enjoy nature and kind of relax a little bit sometimes, and so we do that. And thanks to streaming, we can do that. Okay, so I'm just going to let you know uh, as we go here what we do, but, um, but the overwhelming majority of content, by and large, is uh, the world. We have a subscription to Netflix. We don't have any cable. We don't do anything like that. We pay eight, nine bucks a month. I think it went up, whatever. They're, they're, they're getting us. And that's all we do. And uh, so that's our entertainment budget for the month when it comes to an annual, uh, a monthly basis. And uh, I can tell you by and large that the, the amount, the, the overwhelming majority of the things on Netflix, we don't watch. We just don't watch because of this reality. And so how do I prioritize my my mind. Well, the, the culture, we have, to, we have to emphasize, culture gives us some tools. They have for years, actually since 1968 or something like that, we'll see. The Motion Picture Association of America has given us tools to evaluate at some level, again, culture, the content that we consume. Right? So there's TV movie ratings. There's content-specific channels like the DIY network. That's safe, usually. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Like, that's not, actually, that's not always safe, to be honest with you. I found one show that was just, really? Um, <laughs> Food Network, not always safe. I love watching Chopped, but every once in a while they have some themes on there that we just kind of, okay, next episode. Um, ESPN, etc. And then you've got the mixed bag, everything, you know, just on TNT or whatever cable, you know, and some things are great. You know, you watch them at Christmas time, whatever, and some things, especially probably depending on the time of day, uh, you shouldn't, you should never let into your home. And so then, uh, actions, priorities, and motion. So, so I would say, and again, we don't want to be legalistic here, uh, but 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 we have certain ratings, like R or or PG thirteen or whatever they would be for your home that uh, you should avoid. Quite frankly, because of the innate reality that our culture has defined. Our culture, right? uh, channels to avoid. I'm going to say one that was popular. I don't know if it still is. I don't even know if it exists anymore. But one that was popular when I was a teen, MTV, right? I'm pretty sure MTV probably hasn't gotten any better since, since I was a teen, right? And, uh, and, uh, and so there are certain channels that should just never be in your home uh, because of the, the philosophy and the content that they provide. Um, and just because, and then the mixed bag, you know, whatever it is, and I'm, I'm thinking of specifically uh, things that I got convicted about, especially in my college years, because guys like to, to gather together and they like to laugh, right? That's all we got. Ladies, you guys talk, you have these real cerebral, deep conversations. Guys, we get together and we laugh, right? You know, we don't cry together. You guys can cry together. You get the tissues. You love that. That's not how guys work. We laugh. That's all. We got one thing. We laugh. All right, or we hit each other, or we go out and hit each other, all right? But we laugh, and then we hit each other some more. Just because it's funny doesn't mean that it's excusable. That's one thing I had to get across in my own thinking as, as, a, as a young man. If I'm to be sober-minded, my mind has to prioritize and focus on God's thoughts and focus on things to come. And, and there may be incredible wit, and that's the thing. It wasn't just like slap humor funny, but it was the wit funny that I loved. Probably because I don't have it. Right? And thanks for not laughing. Um, but it's not excusable. right? Because what does most of the world laugh about? I heard it, sex, right? It's the easiest thing in the world. It's like the base thing to laugh about, right? Uh, just because it's short doesn't mean it's not powerful. In other words, just because it's a short little part of that entire program doesn't mean that it's not affecting your thinking and, by the way, your actions, right? And so let's just quickly look at the, the film ratings, right? Because we're talking about TV and movies. And uh, I, when I, I wasn't really planning on doing this, but when I went to, to the Motion Picture Association of America, Association of America's website, MPAA, right, you see their little stamp on every single movie um, that's a real movie and not pirated, I suppose. Um, uh, I, I was just really, and maybe you guys know about this, and I'm just so oblivious to the reality of their mission statement and some of their goals, but I was actually like, my jaw dropped a little bit. 
Read this. Movies can open our children's eyes to new places. That sounds really good, doesn't it? That sounds, that sounds really real. That's like someone understanding what the influence that, that TV and movies and media can have, right? I mean, you can watch BBC's Earth, right? Did you ever see their, that Earth? That's amazing. I'm never going to go to all those places. And it's in high definition. Probably Blu-ray. We don't have Blu-ray, though. So we got the HD. It's good. It's amazing. You can sit down and you can, you can worship God because of what you can see on a TV screen. So movies can open our child, children's eyes to new places, cultures, and ideas. And that's not necessarily wrong or bad. And parents have an important role in ensuring that their experience is positive and enriching. So then, not only do they understand the power of media, but they understand that parents actually have something to do with it. And that, that, that's something that I just didn't think really existed anymore, but they actually stated out. They need the tools to decide what movies are suitable for their children to watch from understanding how movies ratings work and evolved with times to help parents. And that's interesting how movies and ratings work and have evolved as the cultures change and what's permissible, right? So I'm not like saying everything in here is great. I, what I'm trying to say is everything in here is really eye-opening for even how they perceive their role and culture, from understanding how movie ratings work and have evolved with times to helping under, uh, parents find movies appropriate for their kids, we want to help make movie going a positive experience in your family's life. So some interesting things there to kind of tuck away as we consider these things. Movie ratings provide parents with advanced information about the content of movies to help them determine what's appropriate for their children. After all, parents know best. How many educators will say that? Seriously. They will not say that. Education system knows best, but parents know best. After all, parents know best their children's individual sensitivities and sensibilities. Ratings are assigned by a board of parents who consider factors such as violence, sex, language, drug use, and then assign a rating they believe the majority of American parents would give a movie to. So that's interesting. We'll tuck that away for a little bit later. But, but consider that these are a, there's a board of parents that watch movies and then assign ratings. The rating system was established by the MPAA in 1968. The Classification and Ratings Administration hosts the ratings board made up of an independent group of parents. So it's an ind independent group and its mission is to provide parents the tools they need to make informed decisions about what their children watch. So it's interesting. Right, as we, as we kind of look at the rating system a little bit, our culture is aware that it needs to protect children from certain content. Most likely, the consensus from the board of parents does not represent the biblical worldview that your family has, right? And I think we understand that as we read through that and, and that we're not probably the average family with, with the average philosophical understanding of, of what's acceptable in our culture. And, it, and I just want to spell it out. In other words, your, your, your standards should be much higher than the MPAA's independent board of average Americans. And that's not an elitist thing. That's just probably a word of God thing. And especially as we unpack what Pastor Mike preached to us in terms of the culture, where does the culture lean? Right? There are certain things because of the image of God we heard this morning that uh, are wonderful and that are, exist in our culture. Right? Right? Christmas lighting ceremonies is one of them. I'm looking forward to all those Christmas lighting ceremonies with my girls. Right? But there are certain things uh, that the culture leans to, and by and large, if we were to take a big pulse of the culture, it leans to the world. There is no rating standard on most websites, YouTube videos, etc. Why should we be any less concerned than in 1968 when the MPAA established the rating system. I want you to think about that for a second. Your children have access to an immense amount of media in the palm of their hand. And you and I know how hard it is to prioritize our own thinking and how to, how to uh, constantly look for Christ's return and not get caught up in the here and now, right? 
So how much more should we be concerned today with the amount of and the breadth of media than in 1968 when this independent board was formed underneath the Motion Picture Association of America. And, and so it's not going to be practical for 18 years to watch every single video that comes on your child's screen. Right? But it probably is very practical and very prudent for the first years to do that. I'm not going to fill that in. That's every child. That's every family. That's every parent. That's, that's different. Uh, and, then, and then our job as parents is not to shield them from this and the content that this has because it's going to be impossible. One day they're not going to be around, you're not going to be around to do that anymore. Right? Our job as parents is to first prioritize our own thinking, right? sober-minded in our own selves, exemplify that in our living, right? and then train them to have sober-minded, focused, priority on Jesus Christ coming back thoughts as we interact with our world. So I just thought we'd just throw this up, right? The film rating system, you're all very familiar with it. And this is what we talk about. General audiences, G, PG, and then they have specific content. But it's interesting, and the box to the right is really the most uh, uh, pertinent, I thought. Nothing that would offend parents for viewing by children. That's G. Well, that's not true for me. I can tell you that there are certain movies, that all, all G movies for the most part, Stella, it's, it's just too intense for Stella, right, in our family. Uh, I, I, I'm a dumb dad, and I threw something on that, that I, that's a great movie, and I think we could actually show it here. But it had, a, it had a scene in it that was emotionally too much for Stella, and, and Charla knew that. Somehow, she knew it. She's much better at parenting than I am. Right? And, and she warned me about it. Uh, uh, it was a little too late. Uh, she was away and, and it came back and Stella was in tears and Cheryl was like, you did what? And I'm like, <laughs> right? So, anyway. Confessions of the youth pastor. No more trips with him. Right? Parents urge, this is PG, to give parental guidance may contain some material parents might not like for the young children. Remember, this is a, a base level average American uh, rating. PG-13, parents are urged to be cautious. Some material may be inappropriate for pre-teenagers. So I just, you know, when I, when I kind of looked at this rating system again, I thought, you know what? It, it's really kind of nice for us to at least start back there again with all the content that comes out, Right? To, because I, I almost feel like sometimes we ignore the rating system a little bit. Unless it's R or whatever your tolerance is, we sometimes ignore it. But I, I encourage you to look at these on your own and, and to decide for yourself what fits your family. I can tell you that most PG-13 movies do not fit our family's philosophy, our family's sober-minded priorities. I can tell you that no rated R movies fit our family's priorities and our family's way of thinking. And, um, and if, you, if you, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to draw a legalistic line. I'm not saying your standards have to be my standards. Um, but then obviously the NC-17, it, it has everything to do with, uh, in fact, you can't even let a, uh, a kid won't even be admitted into a, a movie like that. Um, and in R, they still will not admit a, a kid underneath 17, I believe, without a, a parent, it's actually, at, at, if they're actually going by the MPAA guidelines uh, at the theater. And so here's something that as a young dad and as a young family uh, was even more helpful, that there's TV parental guidelines, and the TV parental guidelines are pretty similar. I think instead of like PG-13, it's TV-14, all right? But... Um, it's pretty similar to what we just looked at, but the, the parental guidelines for younger children is immensely helpful. Um, and so Y is for all children, and Y7 is really for children above seven, and then Y7 with, um, you know, different things underneath like fantasy or violence or something like that. And so uh, don't ignore those. Don't let, let those be tools to you, but understand where the tools come from. 
They come from the culture. So your thinking and your priority should be higher. Um, but that's my point there. Uh, there were a few things that I, I found interesting as I was reading through MPAA's website. Uh, they ask, especially for TV, actually this is the, the TV guidelines, and both of these are uh, from the official websites of the MPAA and then the TV guidelines. Um, does a program carry the same rating week after week? This is in the TV arena. And they say no, because it's, it's content, episode. Uh, so you might, you might um, kind of write off a certain, a certain uh, TV show for your children, but it's not always rated the same. It's really based on content. It's based on each, ep each individual episode. So as parents, you need to understand that. And you need to help them even understand that. And, and maybe even be looking for these things. Um, why would a program be rated differently when being aired on different channels? So it might not even, so it might be a TV show or whatever that's, that's rated one thing on one channel and another thing on another channel. And basically they say, well, especially movies, they say that... Um, Certain channels will cut things down and so that they can show it at this level or at this time spot. And, uh, and so it'll be rated one thing on that channel, but then they'll, they'll edit it in a different way or not edit it in a different way at another channel. It'll be rated something else. So just some things to kind of keep our, our thinking. I didn't realize those things as much or hadn't really thought about it. And so I thought, um, you know, I'd bring that up here. So a cultural starting point, so where does the culture lean, right? It leans towards worldliness. And um, so just, just discipline your mind, and, and that's what I'm saying here, to lead by example in the home. You know, if you don't expect your children to watch something, now obviously there's programs that are appropriate for me to watch that um, at this point would not be appropriate for Stella to watch, right? Because she's two. Uh, but I do need to lead by example and... and, and um, and so I need to do that in my own thinking. And then just remember, especially as we consider, you know, humor and, oh, it's only a short little thing within this, within this program or this, this, this series, that a little leaven still leavens the whole lump. And uh, that, that principle is immensely helpful in our, in our prioritizing our thoughts and in, how we've, in what we view. And um, it, it, should, it should grow, your conviction should only grow in that regard and not wane because you're older or because you can handle it. All right, and so we looked at TV. So real quickly, want to look at um, just laptops, PCs, gaming, so more uh, councils, if you will. Um, not councils like people councils, but consoles. Um, and so for work, right? God designed us for work. All right, and uh, so obviously most, probably majority of you, your work involves technology at some level. Uh, entertainment, there's a fine line between rest investment and selfish, selfish isolation, right? When it comes to prioritizing our mind. And then informational, God designed us to be creative, but it's easy to become an out of control consumer. And so at work, how does setting priorities uh, in my thinking affect my actions? Well, and especially as a young man, uh, as, I, as I had an opportunity to, to help um, come alongside uh, a university and, and uh, be quite involved in the administration and learn how to, uh, you know, lead people and, and lead change in a place, um, I, I was met with some older, dear, sweet people that I have great relationships with now, um, <laughs> now that I'm gone, <laughs> now that I'm not in their hair anymore, um, but, but people that just at every turn uh, would refuse to work with technology. And it, it became a point at, at our university that, uh, that we needed to go paperless because of storage and cost and searchability and certain things. And so they had this immense thing called the general files, and it was basically a file on any single person that had ever interacted with them, all correspondence, all records as a student, whether they were a student or not, if they wrote to the university, if they ever visited on campus, it was this, it was this end all, be all, all right? And, uh, and uh, it took up too much room in the university, and so we needed to get rid of it, and we needed uh, to, to do something. And so there were quite a few ladies that just made my life for about a year and a half very difficult as I was leading that project. 
Um, so we can't use technology as an excuse not to work. All I'm trying to say is God tells us we need to work. If a boss says that we need to do something and we need to do it in a way and it's really not outside the realm of biblical permission, biblical permissibility, then we need to learn it and work. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, entertainment. Um, which, by the way, the converse is true too. We need to make sure that we prioritize our family time at home, Right? and not bring work home with us. So, there's, so we can go to the two pendulum, uh, opposite pendulum swings there, uh, and rest, etc. Um, so I've been trying to do a better job on Saturdays not looking at my phone. It's not always easy, and because I'm technically never really off, none of the pastors are, we could always uh, you know, need to be there for emergency. We, we have to keep our phones close by, but... Uh, but I try to, to leave things for Monday or Sunday if I can. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to do as a father and as a husband. Content, knowing your God, uh, entertainment. Um, I, I would say this, as we, as we have opportunity to find a whole lot of ways to, to entertain ourselves, leisure, rest, whatever kind of words you want to talk uh, use, and I know that we can define words very specifically, and entertainment may be a very bad word, or leisure may be a very bad word, but I'm, I'm using it in the, in the broadest sense, okay? Um, I think we need to have, have thinking that keeps us investing as we rest, really, truly rest, and not be so self-absorbed that we become isolated. So, I say it this way, an investment, you can rest your mind, body, and invest in yourself and others. That's what rest, the Sabbath, is for. Um, or we can escape. You can exhaust your mind, body, and isolate yourself using entertainment. You know, have you ever, um, probably younger kids, there was a show that I used to watch, uh, and I don't have time for this anymore, um, but when I was in college and didn't think I had any time, I, I had time apparently, and we would watch the show, and because of, of DVDs, and, and, and it wasn't streaming back then, that didn't quite exist yet, but uh, DVDs, you could, you could watch a show, and you could, and, and you know, you watch a show that has a storyline that carries through to the next, you know, it, it, can, it can keep you going and you want to see the story. It's a story. It's like reading. Some of you, you, you read and you, you don't really stop until you realize, oh, wow, it's time for bed or it's time to get up or whatever. Um, um, and so I can remember we, we watched this show and it was like for, I don't know, six, seven episodes and I, I, I was sick. I watched so much TV that I was sick. I was dizzy. I didn't feel well. It sucked my life for six hours. I'm dumber. I'm less energetic. I'm not happy. And the next day, after I went to bed, I had, it was awful. And so it can really tend to exhaust us. Um, and so we need to be careful that we're resting when it's time to rest. And we're investing um, in ourselves and in others. And then uh, informational. We can, we can find a lot of things, but I can, I can personally get so consumed with, with wanting, oh, what was it the other day? And I got convicted about it as I was studying this. I can't even remember. It was something, something dumb and silly and, and really interesting all at the same time. Um, and I can't even remember it now. Oh, well, it was probably something, you know, like, oh, it was with this eclipse coming up, this, this solar eclipse, right? And I, in, in like four months ago, I, I read about it, you know, I don't know why I still allow this to happen on my phone, I just am so lazy, but the New York Times or somebody pops up on my phone and says, uh, this, 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 five things you need to know today. And I'm like, okay, New York Times, you don't need to tell me what I need to know. But that was one of them. And so I looked at it. And, um, and so, sorry, that was just, I get annoyed pretty much every morning. And for some reason, I haven't changed it. Um, anyway, 
So I was, I was so, I, I, I was, Stella was right there just for a second. I was so mad at myself for not scheduling to be away on the eclipse. I wanted to go down to, uh, to like Tennessee or something and get in the path of totality and, and all this stuff. And, and, um, and anyway, so I was looking and like, okay, so when's the next solar eclipse going to come? And, and, and I got so enthralled in my daughter when I'm supposed to be spending time with her. Right? And is it wrong to know about this cool thing that God does with the moon and the sun? No. But there's, not, there's a right time and a right way and a, and a wrong time. Right? And that was the wrong time. Which, by the way, for the, so those of you in seven years, there's another total eclipse. And it's coming right through Cleveland. So we don't have to move. We're here, baby. I'm going to put my thing up on Airbnb. That's what people are doing. And uh, rent out my rooms. I'm going to come and move in with mom for a little bit. <laughs> just for one night. And uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. I'll make some money. And watch the solar eclipse. But anyway, set practical boundaries. You've got to set practical boundaries for the information that you can consume. Your mind, like, if it's anything like mine, goes on these rabbit trails of craving information and going from one really interesting thing to another that really amounts to nothing. Absolutely nothing, especially in light of Jesus Christ coming again. Amen. And how am I modeling that for my daughter in my situation and for my wife? So set practical boundaries. Set time limits. Uh, after after we, we're starting something new in our home, uh, we put Charlotte, Charlotte <laughs> we put Stella to bed. And uh, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we put Charlotte to bed too, but we put Stella to bed. And uh, then it's kind of adult time. We go downstairs and, and usually I'm done. My brain's done. My body's done. And I need to sit down and kind of just be undone. And, um, but we can get so enthralled into, into what we're watching um, that, that we stay up too late. And then, you know, we take shortcuts in the morning. And so we're starting a, we're starting a, a, my phone now has an alarm when we need to, regardless of where it is in our show or whatever it is we're doing, we're going to turn it off and we're going to get ready for bed and then we're going to pray. Because I'll be honest with you, this is as a pastor, okay? There are times that we, 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 we're too, we, we spend too late at night. We're up too, much, too late. My word, I can't talk because yesterday was apparently one of them. Um, that we're too tired, that we don't, we don't spend time as a couple like we ought to and pray together. So anyway, so that's an important thing. Set time limits. Um, don't be late, you know. Don't get so enthralled that you're, you're late. Your obligations come first. So to your family, to yourself, to your Lord, to your thinking of things to come. And don't be alone. Universal information contains both the universe of good and Bad. Let's just be biblical. Sin. Right? You know, I don't have to tell you from the, from the realities of, uh, uh, of ads even, as you're innocently going somewhere, I don't have to tell you the absolute sin that comes, that can come, that, 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 that is the internet. Right? It's a tremendous, tremendously useful tool. But it can be tremendously bad. So spouses... You should have one another's passcodes for all devices. My wife knows how to log into my laptop. She knows my, uh, my whatever this is, my phone's code. And, and, um, and, and parents, you ought to always have 100% complete access when you need it to your children's phone. Without a doubt. And let me tell you something, parents, if your children are fighting you and they will not let you have their phone, there's danger in that. There's immense danger in that. If nothing else, they're putting, obeying their, their desire and, 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 their, and, and, and craving culture over obeying you, which is over obeying the Lord. And so uh, set time limits and don't be alone. I, I include that for myself in my household, right? I, I, when I study, I'm out in the middle with my laptop. When I'm on my phone, we're in our family spaces for the most part. Or we're, we're in our bed, both Charlotte and I, you know, or in our room. 
And I would highly encourage you parents to really consider, especially if your, your teenager or your child has his or her own room, to really make that a high priority in your thinking. That, 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 that children ought not to really be alone with whatever they could search. And um, you may kick in at this point and you may say, you know what, we have, we have a filter on there and there's all kinds of filters. You can Google them. I'm not going to go through all those things, right? But let me tell you something. Every filter fails. And a filter is only, only so good as a person's heart. Um, you, you either have to shut down every single app on your child's phone or they can get access to things. You either have to shut down text messaging and picture and video messaging or they can, they can get access and send pictures. And so a filter really is not the answer. It's not. never has been. never will be. It's always prioritizing, prioritizing our mind. And so as we interact with our homes and our minds, we want to we really set practical, um, practical uh, rules for prioritizing our mind and helping us do those things. So a mobile device, immensely convenient, immensely distracting, uh, with you everywhere designed to tailor nudge you. I, you know, um, somehow this thing, this, this thing has been, not somehow, it is intentional. It has been designed to tailor no Steve Richard, Stephen Richard Sindelar. I'll say my full name. It knows me very well. It will bring up people that tweet that I'll look at, and, and it stops bringing up people that I don't care to see what they tweet. It, it, it knows what I, and it learns, and it grows, and it's part of what makes this thing so intuitive and so easy for me. When I wake up in the morning, it, it shows me the suggested apps that I normally have, normal look at in the morning. It grows with me. It grows to know me. It is tailor nudging you all the time. And so you and I, we need to be incredibly sober-minded with these things because there's so many advantages. There's so many advantages. I mean, we were driving to New York with the, on our missions trip and I plugged in my phone and I just played my playlist and, and all the kids got to hear the music that Pastor Steve listens to. I do that on purpose, by the way. But you know what we started off with? We left Sunday school, 9 a.m., uh, Sunday morning, 10.15. Guess what we turned on? There's Pastor Tim. And we got a chance to worship with you. And we had the best soundtrack ever, listening to you sing and then listening to Pastor preach all through the, 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 the phone, through the speakers in the 15-passenger van. Right? So an immense, an immense blessing. Total advantages to that. You know? And, and it doesn't just stop, start, stop, start with the, uh, the, the Bible things on this device. You know, coming back from New York, I was done, everyone else was done. We were listening for a while to music, and then, and then you know what I did? I said, Brandon, Brandon Teske, I don't know if he's here, he's, I think he's upstairs doing stuff. I said, Brandon, somehow we got into silly songs. And so Brandon had all these silly songs, and I'd love to play some for you, but they'd totally... Get into your brain like they have mine, so I won't do that to you. And they're great. They're great, silly, fun songs. And I needed them because I was so tired. And it helped me stay up, and we were laughing, and we were, you know, and I think the girls in the back were a little concerned about us. But um, you know what? There's advantages, but there are incredible disadvantages to having media, all sorts of media, at the palm of your hand, right? And um, so time on devices, which of the following are your children spending most of, the, of their time doing when they use their electronic devices? 64% said playing video games. 41% said doing homework. Yeah, they just switched over to doing homework as they were playing video games. <laughs> I'm a youth pastor, I know. Uh, using other types of entertainment, 35% chatting with friends or family, 34% and using social media, 30%. Incredible multitaskers, they were probably chatting with friends and family while using social media and playing video games and sort of doing homework all at the same time, to be honest with you. Uh, that was my one roommate in college. 
Um, so app number one, just, just go through a few apps and then we're done. Bible app, your Bible anywhere, right? Easy to search, highlight, note take. Distractions though are tap away. That happens in my seat here as I use my Bible sometimes. I have to really discipline myself, close everything else down. Put it on airplane, airplane mode. Allows for any time reading and it may make the Bible reading less intentional. In other words, uh, I can get to the Bible whenever, whenever I have a free moment, uh, I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to make my Bible reading as intentional. And so that can be a, a downside. Certainly is an upside to being able to take your Bible with you wherever you are and search it and, and do all kinds of things. I study all of my, uh, all the commentaries that I buy now, they're all in a program uh, on my machine. And so my library never grows. So if you ever come down to my office, it's not that we're not reading and doing things, it's just because I can take it with me and I can search it and I can highlight and I can note take and uh, it's incredibly helpful. Social media. Right, knowledge of the masses. It's instant. It's an easy response. Um, and one of the roles that I have as a youth pastor is who is physically with me? That's who God wants you to spend and invest in the most time with right now. It's called my, I call it my proximity role. And missions trips, we are in this van together and God has put all of us here for a very specific reason and we ought to take advantage of it. So there's no headphones. Ever. 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 If your kids ever want to bring headphones to the youth group, don't. Don't let them. I will yell at them. I'm to the point where I yell now. I hate headphones. They're isolation. Headphones have their purpose, though. I wear headphones when I cut my grass and I listen to sermons. So headphones aren't wrong. It's just what we do with them. So who is, and I don't yell at your kids. I ask them nicely. I'm not that mean or old yet. Where do I run for help? Right? <laughs> What is my motivation? I'm just saying, some of you, you, can, some of you would be well, in, well, never mind. <laughs> Am I self-absorbed? Is it the number of likes that I have, the friends? What is the effect this will have on my testimony? Uh, so things to consider. And then gaming. Just, just a few thoughts here. Um, uh, kids can game on this now, and they have been for a while. And it's interesting to think about they are never inconvenient, or they're not as much inconvenienced about people sh showing up late in their life. Why? Because they're, someone's late, no big deal. They're just, they're all, they're constantly busy, busy, busy anyway, right? And so there, we have a whole generation that's not learning how their schedule and how being on time and what they do influences somebody else. So think about that for a second. So there's a lot of interesting things that are happening um, at any rate. So as we close, 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Knowing God. Proper place of devices in our home starts in our mind. Just like any other spiritual discipline. After we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we look to his coming and we interact with the world according to his coming. May God give us the strength, the focus, the discipline to prioritize our thinking as we start to use these and all technology for his glory. Let's pray and then you'll be dismissed.